Good morning and welcome to Enjoy an Encounter with Our God. I'm so happy that you're here with me today. I am excited about this episode. Things are a little bit different and I am happy to share it all with you. I pray that you've been well since our last episode. Uh, I myself have been felled by the violent plague called the flu. <laughs> and, uh, it, it came with a violent vengeance and then lifted just as quickly. And so, yeah, we're um, all in recovery here and well back on our feet, but it's uh, going around. So I pray protection and safety and health on all of your households in the name of Jesus, because um, this is a rough one. And yeah, nobody needs the flu. At any rate, there's a lot going on in our world right now and I, our environment and everything. So I uh, hope you are all managing to keep your balance and keep your mind strong and in the word and relying on the peace that passes all understanding because all of the things around us from the environment, the air quality, to the fires, to the government, to the people, to sickness, to everything. It seems everywhere you turn around, there's things going on. So I pray for you, for your mind, for your spirit, not to get weighed down and to feel very strong in the Lord. Uh, the Lord has won. The Lord is the victor. And it's just important to keep reminding ourselves of that. Uh, what our earthly eyes see is, is not how this plays out. But uh, we still live in our world and still have to walk within it every day. So today uh, is, as I said, a little bit different. And uh, God's been taking me on this journey. And I felt I was, I was back and forth with the Lord a little bit about this, saying, are you sure this is where we need to go? This may be just for me. or, And at, at this point, um, it's pretty clear, because every time I turn around, there was another, I'm calling them landmarks, because it's been this journey, and I'm going to share this journey with you, how it unfolded, the thought process, and, and sort of where I've landed on this. And I'm praying that it resonates, that it lands well, and... Um, let me just say, I, many of you don't know me very well, and you you would not know my heart. I hope that in the process of just even these few episodes, you have heard my heart. I I rarely come with judgment. <laughs> I I don't. I have, you know, I am quite aware of of who I am, and the the. I, there are there are no places that I am allowed to judge in, <laughs> and so, so, uh, and this is not a judgy kind of thing coming at you. But I, but it, the Lord has sort of taken me on this journey a bit of, of focus and shaving off the unnecessary and just getting lean in Him and the strength uh, in Him. Uh, so. Bear with me on this journey today. Uh, I hope that it speaks to you on some level. So we'll just jump right in. Um, I, I have been one who likes to, you know, in a sense, observe the 
special days. So we've just had one. I, I mean, I, I grew up in the Pentecostal church. We did not celebrate Lent. We did not observe Advent when I was a child. So when I discovered those practices, and I know that they belong to another faith family, um, but they meant, they became such a integral part of my journey. Uh, Lent every year for me is a, you now whether I follow it perfectly or not is <laughs> irrelevant, <laughs> but I, I love, I love the idea of, of this carved time where many people are, are in this moment of trying to, to kind of more focus and become more intentional and making less of themselves in order to allow more of him in and leading up to one of our highest days in Easter and, and really the pivotal point of the whole world. So I do, I, I observe them in ways that are, that help me become closer with the Holy Spirit and, and the Lord and all, all of it. So day of Pentecost is one of those days. Um, Pentecost Sunday, we've called it, you know, we traditionally look at that 50 days after uh, Easter and, and in the, in the Jewish faith that is observed as the day the Torah came, you know, uh, which is magnificent in itself. So, I mean, there's lots of reasons to enjoy these days, but over the past years, Pentecost has created some significance for me. God has talked to me on that day. There has been days that have been marked on the day of Pentecost for me that I can go back to my mind and say, yep, that happened. So this past year was no different. I, I say to the Lord, today's Pentecost. What would you, you know, I'm here for it. What would you like to say? And uh, surprise, I all that drops in my spirit is go read Ruth. I'm like, no. No, that's not the book for today. <laughs> no, uh, Ruth. Uh, so <laughs> all kidding aside, well, not all kidding aside. Ruth has never been my favorite book of the Bible. Ruth is lovely. And I am a Bible nerd. So all of the books, all of the words of the Lord are inspired and rightly divide the word of truth. However, um, if I'm looking for inspiration and looking for rich history and, you know, this angst and this, you know, blueprint for living, Ruth is not my book. I go to Nehemiah. I will pick up Joshua. I will go to Philippians. I will, there are books, my go-to books. Ruth has never been my go-to book. So, okay. So I, I pick up the, I start reading. I just start at the beginning. I don't know where he's taking me. And I get to verse 16, which is one of the most famous passages. I mean, clearly, uh, you know, 16 and 17. But Ruth said, do not urge me to leave you or turn back from following you. For where you go, I will go. And where you lodge, I will lodge. Your people shall be my people and your God, my God. Where you die, I will die. There I will be buried. Thus may the Lord do to me and worse if anything but death parts you and me. Period. Full stop. Don't read anymore. That's it. That's the verse. Those are the two verses. <laughs> like, okay. Okay. So what, what are you trying to tell me here? The, 
the verses that were highlighted or as people have said a million times that that was jumped off the page or became neon signs for me as I stopped reading at that verse. Your people shall be my people and your God, my God. And what struck me about this was, and we all, we all know the, most of us know the, the story of Ruth. So I, I don't need to expand on that story in a, it's an entirety, but, but what struck me as I pondered that and was, you know, Ruth is from Moab. So she's, she's been raised in a, in an environment, in a culture that has its own gods, that has its own faith system, religious systems, all of that. Into her life comes Naomi, her husband, and her two children. They come from Jerusalem. They come from the land of the Lord. And that land is in a famine. They don't have food. So there's Naomi, Naomi and her husband, you know, looking for a better place. Obviously, you know, their wanderings brought us one of the, you know, great grandmothers of our Lord. So, I mean, obviously this was the plan of God to use this, but they couldn't have known that. <laughs> so, so they, this Moabite woman sees, you know, becomes a part of this family and had to have heard the stories. I mean, we don't, it doesn't say whether Naomi and her husband became part of the Moab culture, uh, that they worship their gods or any of that. It doesn't give us any indication one way or another. But there had to have been something that Naomi presented, even coming from famine, that propelled Ruth to actually want to stay with her and worship her God. So when it comes to the point of decision, Ruth is very clear. Your God will be my God. Your God will be my God. I'm giving up all of these gods in the past that I've worshipped, my culture, my family, my heritage, to embrace your God, even though where you've come from has hardship. And even though, Naomi, your life has been racked with hardship, you've lost your husband, your children, you're in a strange land with no relatives, even then, I still choose your God over my gods. So I'm like, wow, yes, mind blown. Right. I, as I'm thinking, processing that, as I think about us who, who are waiting for the promises to come and whose lives don't necessarily look like God has, you know, broken wide the gates of heaven and poured out into our world lives. Uh, still, Naomi's life and God was more attractive than the gods of her, of the Moab people. So that was, you know, lovely. And I was, you know, letting that sink in a little bit. And, and all of a sudden I start remembering other stories. So we're going to just take a little bit of a trip <laughs> and bear with me this, we do hit these landmarks and I'm taking you on this trip with me. So all of a sudden I'm brought to mind, Rachel. So Rachel, we're heading back into Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. Rachel is Jacob's wife. Uh, you know, she's 
the mother of Joseph, who is like, you know, super pivotal and, and super used of God, God and, you know, is an archetype of Jesus in, in ways. That, I mean, like there's just all of these things. Rachel. So it, as a quick summary, her husband, Jacob, uh, worked for Rachel's uncle, Laban. Uh, Laban tricked him and, you know, abused the trust there. Uh, Jacob wanted to marry Rachel. Laban tricked him. You work for me for seven years, then you get my daughter, sure, my niece. And, you know, he tricks him into marrying Leah, and then he works seven more years, and then he tricks him. And so then he gets Rachel. And then, so as he's leaving Laban, God tells him, look, this guy's working you to death. And, you know, this is the strategy. So God gave Jacob the strategy in a dream to, on how to create wealth, how to leave Laban full of wealth, full. So leaving his, I, I'm not going to say captivity, but leaving the place who lied, who cheated him, who with wealth, God gave it to him in a completely different way, completely different than anybody else was doing at the time. There's Jacob, you know, cross breeding his sheep and all they come out with spots and stripes and all the rest of it. So, so there's Jacob leaving this place. And Rachel says to him, you absolutely, we go, you know, our uncle is using us as commodities. So uh, we owe him nothing. So we, you go where God's going and we go with you. I go with you. And okay, great. Let's go. Let's do it. This is the God. And, you know, he's going, heading back to his homeland. And <laughs> doesn't, doesn't Rachel steal one of the house idols? And uh, Laban, you know, in his fury. So Jacob's left with all of the flocks and his, you know, the, all of this stuff. And it's, <laughs> so he, he gets all of these things and, and uh, Laban comes after him and he's saying, you know, you've stolen everything from me, my family, my flocks, everything. And you had the gall to steal my household idols. Like, why are you, why are you doing that? And Jacob in his fury is like, you find the guy that stole that and he's dead. <laughs> he, he's dead. I'm taking, like, he's dead. I, I don't want your idols. Like, I, I'm the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. Well, he didn't say, call him that yet, but... And so Rachel, of course, has the idol. She's hidden it. She uses the excuse, oh, I'm sorry, Laban, uncle. I, I can't rise to you because, uh, you know, I'm in my monthly flow, whatever. And so he doesn't come near her. She hides it under a saddle and then she sits on it so that he doesn't actually come near her to find it. What struck me about that is there is Rachel leaving this place where she was treated as a commodity. She was not valued as a, you know, she was like the man she loved or the man she was supposed to marry. She was, he was tricked into marrying her sister first. So she had to wait. I mean, all of these things. And she still steals this idol from home. She still takes it with her. So it's like, she's, you know, I'll go with you, but I've got my little idol of comfort with me. I got my little thing here, just in case, just in case I need a little extra covering, you know, 
in case your God can't do it, you know, in case our, like the God of Israel, like, you know, I've got my covering here. I got my, I got it covered. And I, you know, so this is sitting. And then of course, you know, we fast forward, this is littered throughout all of this scripture, but um, then we fast forward to Jericho and Joshua and, and this poor guy, Achan, man, uh, God was very clear. And Josh, uh, Joshua was very clear. So when you go into Jericho, when the walls fall, when we go in and, and, and destroy it, everything gets destroyed. Everything, except for anything going to the Lord's temple, any of that gold, silver, like anything that's going to be used in the temple, that goes to the temple, but everything else gets destroyed. So nothing stands. Doesn't <laughs> the poor guy. I mean, I do feel for him because Lord knows I, I, I feel him, you know? <laughs> and so doesn't he go in and everything's plundered. Rahab is the only thing. Rahab and her family are the only thing that's saved in Jericho. Everything else is felt. And so, you know, and they were told not to touch any, like not to take anything for themselves. Ah, doesn't he take it? And he's like, and, and God tells him, like, you know, and so then the next battle, Joshua loses. And he's like, God, what happened? Like you were with us. You know, what, what happened? Why did, why did, why did you fail? And God says, you disobeyed somebody. I said to destroy Jericho completely and you have not. And Joshua's like, okay, so whoever's doing this here, bring him out like right now. Poor guy. He comes out. He's like, yeah, it was me. I took this beautiful robe. I took this little pile of treasure here. I just really wanted it. <laughs> and I mean, oh my gosh, how many times have I said that? I just really want it. I just want it. <laughs> ah, a God of comfort, right? Just entitlement, comfort. I should be able to have this. I should be. I should be able to have this thing. He died. <laughs> they killed him. They, you know, destroyed him, his family, everything about him. If you think that's only New Te Old Testament, let's talk about Ananias and Sapphira. This is New Testament, the book of Acts. Paul is talking, or uh, Peter, or, yeah, I, anyways, <laughs> sorry. But Ananias and Sapphira were part of the early church. They were part of this beginning movement that we all look back on and, and say, wow, like they were, they've created this foundation, sold out, gave everything. They were all giving everything they had which they were. And suddenly you've got this couple who are like, well, I don't know, maybe we could just hold on to a little bit of this. What do you think? Like if we can just keep a little bit of this, we'll hold on to it and we'll just, you know, just to cover it. And, you know, the Holy spirit was like, yeah, you're done. Like, and they were killed. I mean, this is what we do as people, we do this. And so these are the stories. And then, you know, ironically enough, God's taking me, I, I felt very strongly a pull back to settle into the minor prophets for a while. I haven't visited the minor prophets for a while to just soak in them a little and 
read through them and kind of, <laughs> so here's a couple of the passages from the minor prophets, Hosea specifically, Hosea 13, four to six. Yet I have been in the Lord, your God, since the land of Egypt, and you were not to know any God except me, for there is no savior besides me. I cared for you in the wilderness, in the land of drought, as they had their pasture, they became satisfied and being satisfied, their heart became proud. Therefore they forgot me. I'm like, okay, yes, because as we become satisfied, we forget. Another one, Hosea 10.1, Israel is like a vine that grows plenty of fruit, but as Israel got more and more things, he built more and more altars to honor false gods. His land became better and better. So he put up better and better stones to honor false gods. I'm always also fascinated with the kings, the story of all of the kings. Uh, you know, in, in the, of course, all through, you know, God's trying to build this nation and they want nothing to do with how God wants to build this. He wants to create a different, he wants to set a new standard. He wants to create a different kind of people than what's already happening. He wants to set them apart. They want nothing to do with that. <laughs> no, thank you. I'll have, I want what they're having. So they wanted a king. So eventually God gave in and let them have kings. They had Saul, they had David, they had Solomon. And, and then what happens throughout is all of these kings happen. So not again, not to get too deep into the stories, but Israel is divided into two, the land of the land of Judah, the land of Israel, the kingdoms, whatever. And then like, there's lots of civil wars. There's lots of, ugh, it's just messy what happens is I think there's only like four, four Kings who come along and and the Bible calls them, you know, they did good in the eyes of God. The evil ones are over and over and over. Oh, he did evil in the eyes of the Lord. And really what I, when I read that, I shut off all expectation from that King. I expect him to lose, to pillage the children of Israel, to, to be disrespectful. But these ones who did right in the eyes of God, I think, oh, what courage, what fortitude they had to tear down things. And the Bible talks about, you know, they they tore down the idols, they tore down the places of worship, except the high places. So so it it always it has that little caveat where, you know, the kings are good and they do right in the eyes of God, but they don't take down that high place. And I think Josiah did, but anyways, <laughs> the point is there's always this little piece that we seem to hold on to as our right, our God of comfort, our God of entitlement, our God of pride. I'm right. And the fact that I am right gives me the right to spew on everybody else. I have whatever it is. Like, and honestly, I, I think what is happening? What is happening? So, so this is the journey. These are the, these are the mesh of stories, right? And this is how it happens. I'm sure you've all had this or, you know, where, where God's giving you these pieces and you like, okay, how does this all fit together? Lord, like, what, what are you saying here? And another thing that's been really heavy on my mind lately is 
this whole massive uprising, this mass dismantling of faith. It's it's been about I I believe probably since the beginning of COVID that this started in a in a huge wildfire kind of way where this this dismantling this it's it's like people who have and when you read the stories you read these encounters and and what is happening with people you understand they're coming out of church they're coming out of i used to be zealous for god i used to be zealous for this fairy tale that they preach is the deconstruction of faith and uh what's left is just a bunch of people who have no faith. They don't know what God they believe in now because they, they knew the true God, but now, and I, I liken it to the children of Israel. We've got this whole population of people who used to be Christians, used to be on fire, used to know what it felt like to have that spirit move you, to witness to your friends, to be on fire for the Lord, to feel the Holy Spirit in you. And now purity culture is, is a crime. It's, it's a spiritual abuse to be pure before you're married. Uh, you know, it's, it's uh, you know, God exacting punishment. <sighs> what kind of God is that? My God. And they've created gods that appeal to them, which is, of course, I mean, it's their God, but it's no God at all, really. It's the God of themselves. And my heart is breaking because all I can feel is that these people were raised in churches who were led by unhealed people. <laughs> all of us have these areas, right? All of us are hurt and broken. We all have needed to humble ourselves and come to the altar, come to the cross and be healed, have these areas of our lives, these these deep, dark moments that, you know, rendered us powerless. We need to have the Holy Spirit come in and absolutely soak that with the anointing oil and the healing oil and the oil, oil of gladness and joy instead of shame and, and ludicrous things, just ludicrous things. And I, it's, What's what I'm what I feel is like we, we're seeing people who were led by people with power through tyranny, through law, through greed. It's it's that what we used to call in the 80s <laughs> friendly fire. You know, we've killed our own. You know, and lots of it's it's a lot is pointed to the organized church, the corporate church. And it is not, the church is the body of Christ. But honestly, uh, it's, it's, it's been in that environment where people have felt misused and, and hurt. And if they have, if they have, if they have um, confessed a sin, it has been so absolutely uh, used against them and as a, as a, as a dagger to kill them. Uh, if so, so, I mean, it, that was in the new Testament too. I mean, clearly, I mean, people, you read Corinthians, you read 
all, all most of Paul's writing is talking to people who are hurting people <laughs> and, and what our true goal is here, what our true job is. So here's, here's where this comes around full circle. And there's been a lot here that I've just rambled on about and I apologize for the, the spits and spurts and, but I, but I'm so, it, it feels like fire inside of me and shut up in my bones. Um, but here's where I feel I needed to land. And I, and so I just present this to you back to Ruth, back to, back to where it, it needs to come for us. I believe we, I know that this who's listening here, they're all, you're all believe. Most of you are all believers. You are all committed. You're all prayers, but, but I feel like, and I, and I'm, I, I don't know you, so I don't know your lives, but what's happening in me is there's this call to repent. The, the call to humble myself, repent, to align myself with Ruth, to once again, I know that I have done this many times over the years, and recommitted, re-stood. But, but then, you know, I've always got these little gods of comfort, my God of comfort, my God of entitlement, my God of my pride, my God of my control. Oh my gosh, don't talk to me about, you know, giving up my control. Um, I tell you now, the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, will have no other gods before him. And the God of Ruth, I stand with the God of Ruth, Yahweh, the beginning and the end, the first and the last, the Alpha, the Omega, the one who is above every other God, the one who is above my God of comfort, the one who is above my God of entitlement, the one who is above my God of pride, he is the God that I am committing to. Your God, Ruth, Ruth, you classy woman that you are, is my God. I give up the gods of my past and I'm clinging to your God. No other gods before him. Now, goodness gracious, you know, it, it would appear, I mean, Maybe nobody has any gods before God. Maybe, maybe in your world, there, you don't fight with a lot of stuff from either your past or the day-to-day. -day. You, you can walk through your world and, and, and always give those, mo you know, continuously. And honestly, I am looking forward to the day I can get to those days. But I'm telling you, I, I work in a full-time job where the fruits of the Spirit continuously get tested in me every day. And I, and I have home, a home life and I have things that are going on and God, sometimes I, I see him just shaking his head, Pam, what are you doing? <laughs> we've been through this time. And again, we've been through this. And I say, I know, I don't know. I don't know. And so I go through the process again and 
only every time I do it, it's deeper. So sure, you know, five years ago, I stood and gave up the God of pride. Three years ago, I did it again. And today I have to do it again. I'm telling you. So I'm just, I'm just putting this out there because this has been burning. These days I'm praying with David, Lord, reveal to me my secret sins. Reveal them to me. Show them to me. Where is it that, you know, if it's something in me, let's get it out there. I am so tired of dealing with these same things. This God of comfort that I've brought with me, I'm going to sit on that. I'm going to hide it from everyone so that nobody, and nobody's going to want to come near me. I've got my excuse there. I can, I can keep people just like Rachel, keep people away. I got you, but I'm going to keep that in my back pocket just in case. There's no back pocket room anymore with God. We've got a nation of people who need, who need recovery. We've got a nation, we've got masses of people who have been our brothers and sisters who are dying for the true God, not, not what churches did. And I'm not going to get into the debate about purity culture and, and all of the rest of it. This is not the time. Our time, we are going to lose, we are losing them in droves. We need to be out and ministering to people who have been hurt. We have be, need to be bringing the oil of mercy to people who used to know what mercy meant. We need to be bringing the peace that passes all understanding. We have it. We have it. And their hurt is just layering on layering on layering and blocking that. And doesn't the enemy love to dance on their graves? Doesn't it? I mean, Lord Jesus, help us. I am sure that most of you know people who have left the faith, who have lost their hope in the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. They've lost their hope in a God who even from a place of famine, Naomi left Bethlehem because it was there was a famine, but Ruth still wanted her God. So I'm um, church brothers, sisters, prayer warriors. Let's do the job we need to do. Let's clear out all of this clutter, whatever's cluttering, whatever hidden idols we've got, whatever things we're holding on to that we're entitled to hold on to. Let's get rid of it so that we make more room for the mercy of God to flow through us. Let our eyes be open. I could go on a long, long time on this because my heart is burdened, but let's, let's just pray and let's just touch heaven for these blessed souls. Dear, dear father, Lord Jesus, you are so amazing, so glorious, so righteous, so merciful, so loving, so true, so just, so holy. Lord God, there are no, not enough words to capture who you are and what you are. And Lord, first above everything, we honor you as the God above gods. We honor you above all of the mythical gods that are out there, the gods of Egypt, the gods of Greece, the gods of Rome, the gods of our world today, the gods of witchcraft, the gods of all of it, Lord. 
our self-entitlement God above all of the gods. There sits our God. God, Lord Jesus, I'm humbled by that. I'm humbled by that and I'm in awe. And Lord God, I have audience with that God. That God hears my heart. That God captures my tears in a jar. That God counts the very hair on my head. So Lord God, I'm overwhelmed by your love and mercy and grace. Lord Jesus, there is so much here that I want to say, but first, God, I, I need to present this in a way that you want this presented. And, and Lord, your name needs to be lifted up. And I know, God, that there are pockets of prayer warriors all across the nation and the country and, and the world who are praying these prayers, who want to see your glory, Lord. Let our heart to join with theirs. Let those prayer meetings join together. Let, let Ashbury and all of these outpourings just be now not a a once-in-a-lifetime thing or a or a random occurrence. Let this be the new norm, God. Pour out everything, Lord. Let us be humble. Let us repent. But Lord, pour out your spirit. Let us not ever be the same as we used to be. We don't want to go back. We don't want to hold on to the past just in case. We don't want to... Our idols, our gods, like whatever served us before, they're not serving us. And, and we know that. And so, God, I, I, I say to you with all humility, shine the light. Search me, O oh God, and know my heart. We stand in humility, but with great pride in who we are in you. I know I'm a daughter of you. I know I'm a daughter of the King. I have been created by you fearfully and wonderfully made. That is not without my own little tangled up knots, Lord. And Lord Jesus, I just pray, I covet, I covet your anointing. I covet your spirit, Lord, to untangle those knots and let me see what needs to be dug out. And Lord, above all, I want this time to be dedicated to you. And Lord, every person who hears this prayer, Lord God, you minister to that person. You be, you come through words. Your Holy Spirit just graces us, meets us. So God, every single time this prayer goes up and somebody agrees with this prayer in private and then shares it with somebody else, Lord God, May your words be multiplied. May your spirit be multiplied. May the spirit of grace and mercy go and minister to people. Bring back, bring back our brothers and sisters who have been so hurt and abused in our churches in the name of God, which is not your name. Your name is love. You are love. You love, you discipline because you love, but you love us. You are not a God of shame. You are not a God of condemnation. You are a God of mercy and grace and discipline. So, Father, bring them back to us. We cry out for them. 
we can bring their names before you and Lord, multiply our prayers. Lord God, drop us to our knees when they come to mind. These kinds of things are not going to be taken care of without prayer and fasting. And God, you call us to those. So please, Father, lead us in these ways. Lead us strongly in these ways. Make us dedicated. Help us to stop being so distracted by this and that and this and that. Our little gods of comfort, man. Our little gods of comfort, Lord. Take it. Take them. Take them. They're just weighing us down. So God, in your mercy today, as we, as we go, as we move forward, thank you again. We are so grateful for who you are and the powerful, powerful, powerful love you have for us. There are no words to describe it. And so Lord, I, I'm touch every single person listening touch them, wrap yourself around them, place their feet on straight paths, Lord. Guide them. Pour grace and mercy today where it needs to be poured. In every broken heart, pour your grace and mercy. Prayer warriors are not immune to broken hearts. So, Lord, release that. Release that extra, extra oil. Thank you. Thank you, Lord. We only have your name to stand in, and that is where we stand. In your mighty, holy name. Amen. I, I'm so thankful that you joined me today. You are very valued. You are welcome here. You are, are loved. Let me again say please drop me a line, prayer requests. I have been praying for those that have uh, diligently uh, every day. I don't take it for granted. Um, the, the email address is an enjoying encounter 2023 at gmail.com. I will respond to you and uh, we'll become great friends. I appreciate everyone who has reached out around your feelings about podcasts and the different episodes. I appreciate that very, very much. The feedback has uh, been great. Uh, so thank you, Jesus. <laughs> and uh, just know that we're all in this together. And it's, it's a great day to be a Christian. Not the easiest days, but a great day to love the Lord. So bless you all. Have a wonderful day.